up every stitch You've got to pick up every stitch You've got to pick up every stitch Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Oz Movie Geek Halloween Spooktacular. I'm your host, Pado, and today I am joined by Jess. Hello again, everyone. Um, so today's review will be for a forgotten, um, I guess, animated Halloween feature from 2006, a film that I've always thought of quite fondly, um, and that is Monster House, the Gil Keenan-directed, Steven Spielberg-produced um, I guess you'd call it a semi-animated horror film um, that's set over Halloween uh, from, yeah, the mid-2000s, and it is a lot of fun, and I thought it was a good one to cover as I've been covering sort of forgotten films. This was a film that didn't fare too well upon release. It didn't gross a great amount of money um, just because the animation style is a little cheaper than that of, like, Pixar and other Disney and DreamWorks-related films, so... It sort of fell in line with films that Sony had already done, like Open Season and and things like that in the mid-2000s. So, yeah, we thought we would cover that one. But initial thoughts, Jess, what what did you like about the film? Like, what what, what are your thoughts? Well, because you've dragged me into this watching a Halloween movie every single night, um, this is one of my favourite Halloween movies because it's... It's spooky, but it's not terrifying. Um, obviously aimed, I wouldn't say it's aimed at children as such, maybe YAs. Um, but I remember watching this one with my brothers, particularly Ben loved the Monster House, made us watch it all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy the characters and uh, I have a soft spot for Nevercracker um, because he's a poor old little old man. Um <laughs> But yeah, I just, it's something different. It's something that you wouldn't expect in a kids or slash young adult movie. Um, but yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, it's a pretty fun um, like kids movie, I guess. I guess it is. You, uh, It's still aimed towards younger kids. There's things in there definitely that are aimed more towards an adult audience, which we'll get into. But the, the film itself... Um, I guess with its its childlike animation, it's not aimed to scare. Um, and I even remember going to see this in the cinemas with my brother um, and my mum and dad. It was for my mum's birthday because um, it came out like that same weekend. And when we went and saw it, yeah, I, I, I was never scared. I, I think that it doesn't really... It, there's no real frightening imagery or anything. Like it's pretty pretty stop standard. There's no like creepy designs that are going to give you nightmares or anything. So it didn't even come out around Halloween. Do you think that's why it flopped hard? No, it came out around Halloween. The idea uh, with releases, so um, in America it would have come out, I think it came out in, it was either July or August in America, but it was September here in Australia. Mm. Um, the reason that it wouldn't have come out on Halloween, it, nothing to do with that. It's because you have a look at releases. During that time, the Saw movies were released every single year, and whilst right. it's a completely different audience, um, the Saw movies dominated the box office in October, so there was no point really trying to release anything else over that period of time. And then after Saw, it was Paranormal Activity, and now 
we've got the Halloween movies coming out too, which on Halloween, which plays well. Um, but it's just the with the release schedule. I guess Sony saw an opportunity to release it in July, hoping that by then it would be out on DVD and Blu-ray and they could sell copies around Halloween time. Um, and I think that's probably the, the reasoning behind it. And summer movie season in America is where all the movies make their money. So I guess that's why. Um, but without get us getting too far into it, we'll play a little clip from the movie, um, a clip that reminds me very much of Jess because she is the, the little girl <laughs> riding a trike. So um, we'll play that clip and then we'll get back into it. Another tricycle. I'm coming! So Monster House was released in 2006, like I mentioned, and was directed by Gil Keenan, who went on to direct the Poltergeist remake, as well as a film called City of Ember um, in 2008, which I wasn't a big fan of. I just remember that movie has Bill Murray in it, and that's probably all I remember from that movie. 
Um, the voice talents of um, Steve Buscemi, Catherine O'Hara, Fred Willard, uh, Kevin James, Jason Lee, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Nick Kennan, uh, John Heater, uh, Kathleen Turner. It was a pretty talented cast, um, I guess, lending their voices to some of these characters. And the film essentially follows three teens who discover that their neighbor's house is really a living, breathing, scary monster. Um, so... Yeah, I guess the the general setup for the plot is that we know that this old man, Nebercracker, who lives across the road, doesn't like people going on his lawn. Um, the get off my lawn thing was a pretty big pop culture reference probably in the uh, mid-2000s. I remember a lot of people at school making jokes about get off my lawn. No, that was from The Princess Diaries. No, it was yes. definitely from Monster House. No, it was Princess Diaries when she's running across the lawn and they say, get off the lawn. No, it's get She's off. She's allowed, Bob. Get, get off my lawn. It's definitely not the Princess Diaries. Um, but the, uh, like we mentioned, the um, I, I guess the whimsical nature of it, I can feel a lot of Steven Spielberg in here, and I think that's definitely the, the appeal. Um, Robert Zemeckis is an executive producer as well, and he's foray into animated films. He, of course, uh, directed um, The Polar Express and um, A Christmas Carol. And for those who don't know, Robert Zemeckis is the man behind the Back to the Future films. Forrest Gump, he's a prolific filmmaker. So he's uh, teaming up here with Spielberg. It's definitely felt, I, I think, a lot of the style in this film... Um, especially with the young characters. It feels very like Stephen King-esque as well, just the idea of following these kids on their bikes. Like it's very... Um, like it. Kind of like it, yeah. And I guess that serves as a bit of an inspiration. Um, you could even make the comparisons to it with the house as well. I mean, you've got Nebolt, um, the house on Nebolt Street and it. So um, there's a few comparisons to be made there. But the characters themselves, so we have DJ um, and Chowder, who are the two friends, and then they meet... Um, Jenny, and that's the trio of, of characters. And um, Chad is my favourite. No, he doesn't count. He's not a part of the trio of well, heroes. Not the trio, but he's in there. He's a character. Yes, yes, he's a character, <laughs> but he's not a part of the trio. Um, the uh, I guess our three characters. So, yeah, DJ um, is our main character. Um, his parents have gone away for the weekend, and he's um, babysitter. Um, Elizabeth is, or Z, as she likes to be called, um, played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, comes to um, babysit, and that's where Bones comes into it as her boyfriend. Um, but yeah, she's like the the babysitter doesn't really give a shit. Um, and well, she does, she does care towards like when she's on, after when she's sitting there on the couch, and she asks Bones like, "What do you think?" No, and she then doesn't he's, care and about. She's talking, and then he starts talking about the kite, and yeah. then Bones goes. Yeah, but she obviously doesn't care about what's going on because she's trying to. She doesn't care about DJ or anything. She doesn't give a crap about any of that at first, and then she works. No, out. she doesn't. Yeah, and then she has she to go find does. Bones. <laughs> she does not care about DJ at all. I no, think she doesn't care about him. She doesn't movie. care about him, but she cares about the house. Not really. She broke the pot plan and then gave the parents cash away. No, the monster the house, not the family's house. She doesn't house. really, though. When do we ever see her with the house? When the part where... Um... <laughs> <laughs> did you even watch the movie? Yes, I did. I'm trying to remember. She she goes over there at one stage. I can't remember. She goes to go over there and then they pull her away and then he's like, he goes, I've got puberty, lots and lots of puberty. Yeah, that's right. She's... Yeah, she was going to go have a look at it. No, she was going to go and talk to the neighbours. 
That's what she said. I'm going to go and talk to the neighbours. Anyway, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> I feel like you haven't even watched the movie. Um, but, yeah, essentially um, DJ and Chowder know that something weird's going on with the house. Um, after Nebercracker, um, after Chowder's ball goes on Nebercracker's lawn, Nebercracker has a heart attack and he's seemingly dead um, and he's gone to um, the hospital. That is so creepy. Can you imagine that actually happening to you? And can't move because a guy has had a heart attack and landed on top of you. Yeah. That's probably the scariest part of the movie, I reckon. His still body is really unnerving too because the animation's really stilted as well. So when he lands on top of him, it's it's just like, and there's like no music or anything too. Um, I remember that scaring me as a kid. You get a pretty funny exchange then from Chowder and DJ though, where Chowder's like, where he's like, DJ says, I'm a murderer. And Chowder says, no, when it's an accident, they call it manslaughter. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, the characters are all pretty well established. Like, I like the relationship between the two and then you, Jenny joins them later. Um, and she's she's fine for what she is. She's um, fine for what she is. I mean, but her char- <laughs> she's not one of the main characters. No, they? not really. She's so, just there for, for comic she, relief. Not comic relief, but, like, you know. She's not the, funny. The so classic not... boys fighting over the girl type scenario. Yeah, kind of. They're trying to out, outdo Chatter and DJ, trying to outdo each other. Um like when you've got that one, <laughs> that moment where um, Jenny's invited upstairs and Chad is pretending to be on the phone to his parents. He's just like, he starts yelling at his mum and then he just says, Chad, um, DJ, have you got any beer? <laughs> um, he's just, he's pretty funny. Um, I, my my favourite exchange between the two of them though is when um, uh, Chad leaves after that happens because he's a bit scared and he's running off to home and then DJ calls to say, oh, I need to see you because um, I'm getting calls from the house. And he says, where are your parents? And he says, <laughs> he says, dad's um, dad's still at work at the pharmacy and mum's gone to the movies with a personal trainer. That That's obviously a, a bit more of an adult joke because it's something I haven't picked up until recently. Until um, the other night. The other night, yeah. Um, so outdated. Jess, you, you think that... <laughs> you, you, I, I don't even think you watched the movie because all the things you <laughs> say have nothing to do with the movie. a thousand times. Um, but... Yeah, I found that exchange to be pretty funny. But their relationship is pretty good. And like I said, it's very Spielberg-esque. So, like, if you've seen E.T. or you've seen um, The Goonies, which Spielberg wrote, um, you definitely get that um, that that feeling, um, that whimsical feeling, and it's present throughout the whole film. Um, and it's one of the parts I really enjoy. I really like the kids trying to work out what's going on. They don't really have the adults around to supervise them. They're sort of on their own. And I've, I've always had a soft spot for stories like that. Because um, you were a rebel when you were a kid, were you? No, I, it comes more from watching films like that, like Gremlins and Goonies and E.T. and growing up on those those types of films, even to a certain extent like It as well. Like I, I've, I've always found um, the way that Stephen King used to write kids characters in his books even like stand by me and 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 things like that he he writes kids really well and i could see that influence here and gil keenan does a like it's always hard with an animated film to find out exactly how much input a filmmaker has on the animation style of things because obviously he would say he would storyboard the scenes and say i want to i want this to happen i want this to happen because that's his direction of that but then it's up to the animators to bring that to life um but I think he does a pretty good job tonally with the film. The film's consistently funny. Mm. Um, the introduction of the cops played by Kevin James and, and Nick Cannon. Um, Nick Cannon's playing a, a guy. It's his first week on the job. And Kevin James is like the, the disgruntled um, cop who's just sort of like 
um, very complacent in his position in the town. Um, and some of their exchanges are pretty funny too. There's like consistently good comedic beats throughout the whole whole film. The only time it probably drags for me a bit is probably Jenny's introduction because Elizabeth's character is pretty unlikable. So when they're having their exchange of like how they're going to steal the parents' money, essentially, it's like I don't really care um, because it, it just sort of slows it down. And the whole thing with Bones as well, like it, it just adds up to being like a bit of a body count maybe. But, I mean, he doesn't die, but in the context of a horror film, it's to add to the body count of something weird's going on with the house. But to me, it just doesn't – that those elements fall flat. And I wish that there was a bit more time spent at the beginning with Chowder and and DJ, just, just establishing them in the town, maybe – having that introduction of them like leaving school or something just before Halloween, you know, to set the mood or the tone a bit. Cause realistically we only see the two houses and the junk, um, the construction site. That's the whole setting of the film. And the arcade. Yeah. For one sequence, but that's what I mean. Like yeah. it'd be nice to see. Cause I don't know. I don't know what the pot, obviously it's a small town cause there's only we one police the officer neighborhood with the girl on the trike. Yeah, but it's only, again, it's that stretch of street. That's what I mean. It would be nice to see yes. them, like, to set up because... Oh, as, and you go to the pharmacy. Yeah, but again, they're mm. one-stop locations. They're not establishing the towns. It's like mm. if you, it's like when you're watching a sitcom and they go to different rooms of, some, like, How I Met Your Mother. They go to diff, they go to the pub or they go to um, the apartment. Like, mm. you know what I mean? That, yeah. It's the same sort of thing where it would be nice to establish tonally just to see the setting of the um of the school maybe they've got halloween decorations or there's a halloween dance coming up and they've got that promotion for that because it just helps establish um uh, the season and i think that's the film because it's set at halloween those sorts of films are very uh, they're far and few between one thing that the halloween movies uh, even the terrible ones um each of those films establishes haddonfield and haddonfield like is fully embracing the the time of year. There's jack-o'-lanterns everywhere. There's Halloween dances. Kids are trick-or-treating. There's decorations. Like, it's so much fun. Um, and with this, even the streets around them, you don't really see any Halloween decorations, but obviously trick-or-treating is a big thing in America. Mm. Um, so the sets, the actual design of everything is quite bland. Mm. Um, even just seeing a few jack-o'-lanterns, maybe DJ's family have a couple of jack-o'-lanterns put out the front of their house or... Yeah, just, I don't know, just something. that That's probably my biggest thing is because the animation's so basic too, um, the textures of the characters and everything, like it, that's probably the most dated part of this movie is when you watch it, you're like, like if you have a look at other Sony films that came out around the same time, so you got Cloudy with a Chance and Meatballs. And, Great film. Um, yeah, that's what I mean though. Those that Visually, they're a lot more striking than what Monster House is. And I think that's Monster House's biggest downfall is that it doesn't, visually it's a bit weak. Um, the animation's weak. Um, it looks kind of cheap. And I think that definitely hurt the film upon release because that's part of the reason it didn't gross a lot. And I think if the Pixar movie that would have come out in 2006 would have been Ratatouille. So compared to the two, Ratatouille is a much better looking film. Mm. Obviously, Sony don't have the budget to spend on like animation as what Pixar do, but I don't it's know. It's a bargain bin film. It is a bit. Um, and that's part of the downfall of it, I guess. And that's probably... It's one of those things where they talk about, you know, remaking films. You don't want to see good films remade. You kind of want to see something like this remade with a bigger budget. Even a live-action Monster House would be so much fun. Like, actual kids, you know what I mean? Like, 
after seeing the success of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which was set on Halloween again, that's a fantastic film. Um, seeing the success of something like that, Sony could look at it and think, hey, we own Monster House. Let's get Spielberg back to direct a, um, to direct a live-action Monster House. Wouldn't happen, but it would be that's the sort of thing I would love to see remade. What is your favourite moment in the film? Mm, I probably like the story of Constance, like getting that backstory um, and understanding why he's the way he is because I like resolutions. That's some of the things, um, things that are quickly resolved I prefer in movies. Why don't you... <laughs> You describe what happens, explain the Constance opening or the story. So essentially um, the Nevercracker finds Constance at the, um, at the circus and she's basically an act in the show and um, people throw tomatoes and boo her off stage and everything and then she's you, it cuts to a scene and she's sitting... She's in a cage essentially on a hill and he comes up and he says, I'll take you away and hooks the cage up to his truck and takes her away and they get married and then he builds her a house. Uh, well, he's in the process of building a house and these kids come along and start throwing rocks and she slips and falls and pulls a thing of cement over her and essentially dies and then becomes the house. So that's a long story cut short. My other favourite part will be when... They're inside the house and they squirt water at the lantern. The the um, it's like a lantern thing, isn't it, hanging from the roof? And and Jenny's like, oh, quick, squirt the the uvula. And then Chad was like, oh, so it's a girl house. <laughs> yeah, he says. Um, she says. Um, she's like, if that's the uh, if that's the mouth and that's the tongue, then that must be the uvula. And then he's like, ah, so it's a girl house. And she's like, no, everyone has a uvula. And then he goes, no, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That that was pretty funny. Um, The whole, the set design of the actual house, so the way that it looks when they go inside of it's really cool. Um, They go down to the creepy basement where all the toys and Evercracker's taken um, and um, the slinkies pull DJ up and stuff like that. That's all really creepy and really well done. Um, I enjoyed all of that, and it felt very like Nightmare on Elm. Uh, not, not Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, I, I was gonna say it feels very um, Henry Selleck, Tim Burton. That whole sequence, even the um, Constance backstory, feels very Tim Burton esque. It reminded and just me just because it's like dark. Tim no, so dark. St- stylistically, it reminded me specifically of a movie called Frank and Winnie, which was oh, I remember that movie. Yeah, it, the feature came out in two thousand and twelve, but that was back in the seventies, I think it was. Tim Burton did that. That was like a college film that Tim Burton originally did was Frank and Winnie. And if you watch that original short, um, it's really yeah, I can feel a lot of stylistically the constant sequence in particular reminds me a lot of Frank and Winnie. Um, a- another really good Halloween animated film too, by the way. Um, at, there's three of them. Um, Monster House, Paranorman, which is fantastic. Paranorman's my favourite out of the three. Um, and Frank and Winnie is another good one. Um, but if you haven't seen Paranorman, you should watch Paranorman because it's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed as well uh, just the – I guess the whole third act, it turns into a complete um, farce at that point. It's like a big um, like third act action sequence of them in the construction site Versing the house pretty much. It's a little bit random, isn't it? It doesn't. It feels very out of place. But I enjoy 
um, at the end of the film, um, Nevercracker giving the toys back to the kids. That's a nice resolution. And that DJ and um, Chowder are going to enjoy the fact that they're still kids and go trick-or-treating. That's a bit of fun too. Um, That's your dream, isn't it? Uh, I would, I, I guess, here in Australia, because trick-or-treating hasn't really become a thing until the last, like, three, four years, um, it would have been really cool to... I, I don't know, we got, uh, as a nation, I've said it before, we got behind it a little more, I think it would be a lot of fun, especially it just breaks up um, that latter half of the year where you're like, oh, come on, Christmas, when when's Christmas sort of thing. That's why I like the idea that this holiday in America, I know it's a, it's more of an American tradition, but um, it's still a lot of, it would still be very fun to have that um, level of involvement from us um here in australia but like it's still growing Uh, you see if you go to the supermarket now in october um or any of the department stores there's so much halloween decorations it's very commercialized but Mm. it's still a lot of fun everyone should come to our house and see all the decorations that chris is collecting at the moment it's great well am i meant to say your name people know or are you an anonymous host no people know who i am (laughs) Um, but it's very, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see a bit more of the, um, involvement from like us, but uh, yeah, I, I think that as far as Halloween, um, animation goes, this is, you can't really go wrong with this one. It's, it's a lot of fun. Like I mentioned, it's perfectly fine for what it is. Um, there's a few moments that, like I said, it hasn't aged very well. Um, it's 15 years old now and it feels 15 years old. Mm. It feels very much a product of its time. Um, in that early 2000s. And I think even if it just had a little bit more of a budget, um, then it would have aged a little better because even films, like I mentioned, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatball still holds up and so does um, Open Season. Is, open Season's fine, but it, it still holds up um, as in the animation department just because I think it, it's constantly moving where, like I said, Monster House is very much isolated i'm fine with isolated movies don't get me wrong but i think it would have just benefited from just showing a bit more of the town um but i'm going to give monster house a 7.5 out of 10 i think it's very enjoyable it's a lot of fun and it it put, sort of puts you in that halloween mood so maybe watch it at the start of october just sort of to put you in the mood what are you going to give it mm, i'd probably give it a seven uh, yeah it's one of the better Halloween movies we've watched this this season, but not the best. We've watched a couple of shockers. Um, Far uh, out. We've had a wild time. Don't don't watch God's End, and I'll never be covering it on this this podcast. And Greg Kinnear and Robert De Niro. It's absolutely shocking and has one of the worst, just like what third acts. One? What was the one that we watched last night? No, Se- Blumhouse is Seven in Heaven as oh, well. Yeah. A very confused... Um, I'm still confused. Yeah. Um, I still don't know what happened in that movie. Seven in Heaven is one that I would like to cover on like a commentary to, to describe what I'm seeing because it's just so absurd. Um, it, it was terrible. Um, I can see why that one never got a cinematic release. I made a joke about it on Instagram when I first started my podcast because I found it in like a JB Hi-Fi bargain bin. And I was like, what is this? I didn't even know this existed. And um, at some some point in time, it ended up in my movie collection. And, yeah. Don't waste your time. No, all your God money. Godsend does have some creepy jump scares, though. It doesn't. And the kid's terrifying. It doesn't. It does. No. By creepy. It does. 
by creepy jump scares just means that the camera pans down, pans away, and then it's like that weird 2000s editing where there's like a strobe light in the background and this kid just appears. Like it's it's so garbage. That was terrible. That, that, that movie, like Seven in Heaven is like an example of how to make a movie like with $2 in your budget. Where God's and end playing has, cards. And playing cards. God's End, like, would have cost probably... I'm going to say that movie costs around $25 million to make just because it has De Niro and Greg Kinnear in it, who were two big actors. And Greg Kinnear sleepwalks through his performance. He could not give a shit. And Robert De Niro... He's still Robert De Niro, but he obviously didn't care either. De Niro did, like, two movies back-to-back around this time. One of The other one's called Hide and Seek. Hide and Seek is the better movie out of the two, but they're both terrible. Um, so yeah, don't watch God's End. I, I think I'm more cranky about God's End than I am Seven in Heaven because Seven in Heaven they gave we it a try. Expect more from De Niro. Not even De Niro. Not none of that period of time. He, after Meet the Parents, he was happy Great selling movie. out. He was very happy Great selling movie. out. Is he the Godfather? Yeah. Yeah. So he is the Godfather. So yes. you compare that to what we watched. Awful. <laughs> You're not going to compare Robert De Niro from the 70s to the 2000s because he's doing these stupid, like, fart comedies. and When? That godsend's not a... Oh, you're talking about, like... No, I'm talking stuff. about okay. it, that period of time. Right. De, Niro, De Niro completely had sold out by that point. He'd done, like, a movie with... What if he hears John... this? You're bad-mouthing him. Um, Robert De Niro <laughs> would not be listening to my podcast. Um, but... Yeah, I, I don't watch God's End. That's probably the... If, if you're going to take anything away from this podcast, just watch Monster House, don't watch God's End, because God's End is one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> it just frustrated the hell out of me because it's just so lazy. Um, but yeah, that'll bring this review to a close. Do you have any final comments? Um, I'm enjoying my second spooktacular, um, and it's been it's been good. I'm glad you're picking movies that don't scare me too much. Thank you. No, it's limited my ability. There's no, like, I can't watch The Exorcist. I can't watch Poltergeist. I can't watch any of the Paranormal Activity movies. I'm very limited to what I'm able to show her. But um, I did squeeze a a Dream Masters, the third Nightmare on Elm Street film in the other night, which was good. Yeah, but I fell asleep halfway through. But, um, yeah, that brings this episode to a close, guys. So thank you all for listening. Uh, Make sure you check out my other Halloween Spooktacular episodes. I'm having a lot of fun visiting or revisiting some of these films. Um, Yeah, it's been really good. Thank you for coming on, Jess. Thanks, Anonymous host. Um, And until next next time, guys, peace out. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) You've got to pick up every stitch. You've got to pick up every stitch You've got to pick up every stitch Mm.